Hey friends, just quickly, my new book, The Proof is in the Plants, is now available. Get it from plantproof.com forward slash book. Thanks so much for all your ongoing support, and I hope you enjoy this episode. In Blue Zones, they have these strategies to keep from overeating. They eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. They're not eating to their favorite TV show. There's no TVs or electronics in their kitchens. Most of them practice some form of caloric restriction, either because they're not eating much after about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, in some of the Blue Zones, the religious holidays keep them fasting about half of all days in the year. I sum it up with this 80% rule. I took it from Okinawa, Hara Hachibu, which is a 2,500-year-old Confucian adage reminding them to stop eating when their stomach is 80% full. Stop at 80%, you're going to feel full in 20 minutes anyway. That's Dan Butner, and this is episode 134 of the Plant Proof Podcast. friends, welcome back. Happy Wednesday. Hope your week is going well. And for anyone joining us for the very first time, welcome. Great to have you here with us. My name's Simon Hill. I'm your show host, author, nutritionist, and physiotherapist. Today, we are back together for another episode of Wednesday Wisdoms. This time with Dan Butner, New York Times bestselling author of The Blue Zones, a book that you may be familiar with that details five longevity hotspots around the world that Dan documented with National Geographic in the early 2000s. In today's episode, Dan walks us through some of the greatest lessons from people living in these areas. By understanding how their lifestyles differ from ours, we can then draw focus to various aspects of our own day-to-day that may just be standing in the way of living as healthy as possible for as long as possible. So with that said, this is Dan Butner with some longevity-directed words of wisdom. I hope you find it equal parts informative and instructive. I'll catch you on the other side. I had done the expedition to Okinawa. And I reason there must be other areas around the world where people live statistically longest. And the National Institutes on Aging, which is part of the U.S. government, gave me a grant to hire demographers. Demographers are people who are good at um, acquiring and, and making sense of census data, mostly, and drawing certain statistical conclusions out of it. And there's actually a field of demographer who focus on longevity. And uh, I hired a, a small team of demographers to literally parse through worldwide census data to identify areas where either people have the highest life expectancy, 
the lowest rate of middle age mortality or the highest centenarian rate, so the most 100-year-olds per, say, 1,000 people. Once I identified these places, so Okinawa, longest-lived women, uh, the highlands of Sardinia, the longest-lived men, Ikaria, Greece, the Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica, and in Loma Linda, California, among the Seventh-day Adventists, who are America's longest-lived population. And uh, so we knew these people were living a long time, and we also knew from something called the Danish Twin Study, that only about 15 to 20% of how long the average person lives is dictated by the genes. The other 80 to 85% is dictated by something else. So when I struck off on this Blue Zones expedition, I did not know what that other 80% was. I didn't know what was explaining this extra 10 years of life expectancy, a fifth the rate of heart disease, a fifth the rate of Alzheimer's, no type 2 diabetes or almost no type 2 diabetes, just the amazing numbers. And by the way, these blue zones aren't places where people have a better biological machine than you and I do, but they're living a decade longer and they're living right up to the time they die and dying quickly and leaving a lot left over for their heirs. So they don't exercise. They move naturally. They live in environments where every time they go to work or a friend's house or out to eat, it occasions a walk. They have gardens out back. They tend to live in sort of subtropical areas, not tropical, but they have two or three growing seasons a year. So they're always out back. Their houses aren't full of the conveniences that engineer the work out of our lives. They're still doing yard work by hand and kneading bread by hand and doing uh, kitchen work by hand. You know, every time they go to their work or friend's house, they're walking, they're not getting in a car. They have sacred daily rituals. And I suppose this falls in the category of an unconscious habit, but they do downshift a little bit every day through prayer. Adventists are bringing prayer. Uh, Okinawans ancestor veneration. The Ikarians and Nikoyas take a nap. Sardinians, they just do happy hour. They have vocabulary for purpose, which is probably worth about eight extra years of life expectancy. Uh, Okinawans have this term, ikigai, Costa Rica, plan de vida. We, of course, have purpose. They're eating mostly a plant-based diet. The uh, diet of longevity is 90 to 100% whole plant-based. I can't say they're vegans, except a small percentage of the Adventists are, are vegans. But when they eat meat, it's a celebratory food, no more than five times per month. And they're eating a piece of meat not much bigger than this right here. It's a condiment, except for maybe a wedding where you know they'll pig out and some swine. But for the most part, they're not eating a lot of meat, not a lot of fish. 65% of their dietary intake comes from complex carbohydrates. The five main foods you see in blue zones are whole grains, greens, tubers, nuts, and beans. And I would say beans are the hero food in blue zones. If you're eating about a cup of beans a day, you're probably living four years longer than your friend who's not eating beans. In blue zones, they have these strategies to keep from overeating. They eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. They're not eating to their favorite TV show. There's no TVs or electronics in their kitchens. Most of them practice some form of caloric restriction, either because they're not eating much after about four o'clock in the afternoon, or you know, in some of the blue zones, the religious holidays keep them fasting about half of all days in the year. I sum it up with this 80% rule. I took it from Okinawa. Before a meal, you'll often hear them intoning Hara Hachibu, which is a 2,500-year-old Confucian adage reminding them to stop eating when their stomach is 80% full. 
it takes about 20 minutes from that full feeling to travel from your belly to your brain. So if you're eating slowly, you have mechanisms to stop at 80%, you're going to feel full in 20 minutes anyway. They tend to have their own beverage. They drink alcoholic beverage, but they're not drinking alone. It's a social beverage. They tend to be drinking with meals. The Blue Zones wine has about three times the levels of polyphenols of, you know, a typical wine that you get at the grocery store. It's grown at altitude. The grapes are a Grenache grape. Uh, they're so red, the Sardinians call it vino nero, which means black wine, because most of the antioxidants are actually in the pigment. Probably 50% of getting this extra dozen years has to do with investing in your family, keeping your aging parents nearby. If you put your aging parents in a retirement home, that in some cases lops about six years off their life expectancy. Investing in your spouse or your partner in life, having a partner in life is worth probably four extra years of life expectancy. Taking care of your kids so that you know they're not putting you in retirement home when you're older. Having a faith, and it doesn't matter if you're Jewish or Christian or a Muslim, but showing up to a place of worship four times a month adds somewhere between four and 14 extra years of life expectancy. It may be because you're less likely to engage in risky behaviors or you have a, a routine of slowing down and de-stressing once a week, but depending on your demographics, it, it can be worth more than a decade. And then who you hang out with. If everybody's best friend was Simon Hill, there'd be a lot more plant eating in this world. Our habits are measurably contagious from the people we hang out with. In other words, if your three best friends are obese and overweight, there's a 150% better chance that you'll be overweight yourself. Alcoholism is contagious. Smoking is contagious. Unhappiness is contagious. Even loneliness is contagious. So if you're curating a group of friends whose idea of recreation is playing tennis or surfing or or playing golf or playing tennis, who care about you on a bad day. This is important too. They can't just be facile friends. I'm a big proponent of having at least one vegan or, or real whole plant-based vegetarian in your social network, because that'll have a bigger impact on how many plants you eat than trying to get on a diet. This is much better. If you're hanging out with Simon Hill, every time you go over to his house, he's going to teach you how to make delicious whole food plant-based meals. When he comes over to your house, you better have a delicious whole food plant-based meal for him. And when you go out to eat with him, he's going to take you to restaurants and he's going to know the entrees in the restaurant that taste delicious. And that's eventually you're going to say, oh my God, this tastes just as good as meat. And I feel great after dinner. And, you know, by the way, it's good for the environment and it's good for animal cruelty and hell, I'll live longer. So one of the best things you can do, I think, is build that social circle of three to five people. The Okinawans call that a moai. M-O-A-I, it's committed social circle, three to five friends who have your back, you have their back, and you travel through life together. The National Institutes on Aging famously financed a study that looked at the journal entries of people 40 years on in their life, and they found that those people who were clearly articulating their life meaning or sense of purpose were living about eight years longer than people who didn't know what they were doing with their lives or suffering some existential angst. So how do you find your purpose if you don't have it? Well, religion's often an easy answer. Kids are often an easy answer. For about 30% of Americans, 
your job provides your purpose, but the other 70% of Americans go to work and they're just going for their paycheck. Volunteering is an easy answer. Across the world, people who volunteer report higher levels of happiness. They have lower rates of heart disease, lower rates of obesity, and actually, and this has been replicated twice, lower rates of healthcare costs. So volunteering is a good investment indeed. You know, there's a pretty easy exercise. If people don't know their purpose, I say either take out a piece of paper, open up a Word document, make four columns. In one column, you put the title, my values. Second column, what I love to do. Third column is what I'm good at. And the fourth column is what I can give back. And you just use short phrases to fill in maybe 10 under each of those. Well, my values are I'm here to help animals or my values are family first or my value is I love Jesus, whatever it is. And then what I'm good at, I'm good at resolving conflict. I'm good at fixing things. I'm good at caretaking, whatever. You also want to calm what you like to do. And then you start looking for the commonalities where those three come together. And that gives you a pretty good idea of what your outlet should be. So few middle Americans have actually taken the time to figure out, you know, these four simple questions. So they have some direction in their lives. You know, they're often taking a job because they got to pay their insurance bill or they got married because they got pregnant or, you know, he was hot in high school. So it could be the best 15 minutes of your life doing this internal inventory. Then once you arrive at it, if you can't change your job, volunteer or find an outlet in your family or community to put those gifts to work. The big point of Blue Zones, if you want to live longer, don't try to change your behavior. Take that same effort and change your surroundings. Set up your house the right way so you're nudged into movement. Try to live in a neighborhood where you can walk places and don't have to drive places. Curate that social network so you have these healthy friends in your immediate social circle. Try to live close enough to work so you can take public transportation or walk or bike. It's mostly about the unconscious thing. These people in blue zones, they don't have better discipline. They have no greater sense of individual responsibility than anybody in either of our countries do. They don't have better diets. They're not smarter. They don't have better genes. None of the things you think of, but they're living up to 10 years longer because they live in environments where the healthy choice is not only the easy choice, it's often the unavoidable choice. For breakfast every morning, I'm doing some beans. I know half a dozen recipes that I make in an Instapot. You know, I'll make 10 servings at a time. I put them in glass Tupperwares. I freeze them. I've taken the time to figure out the half a dozen I love. Sardinia minestrone. I made a red lentil dal today. And I just love it. You know, and I don't, I don't get that glycemic spike that comes with eating cereal. And my microbiome loves it. And uh, it starts your day all right. So lentils one day, garbanzos the next. Black beans. I have another black bean mix I love. Black beans, avocado, roasted squash, brown rice topped with sriracha and some Bragg's or some amino acids on top. It's phenomenal. I give it to meat eaters all the time and they even love it. More protein than a steak, full of fiber. You know, your microbiome is doing Mardi Gras down there, just loving it and paying you off with short chain fatty acids, which is good for your mood, which is good for your immune system, which is good for modulating inflammation. It's just such a beautiful, perfect storm. 
I try to get seven hours or eight hours of sleep. In blue zones, by the way, centenarians sleep eight hours on average. I do about 20 minutes of yoga, but I'm kind of listening to the radio as I'm doing it. So it's just easy, gentle. My work is my purpose. I'm working on another book right now called Blue Zones American Kitchen. So I'll put in four or five hours of work. I try to take a social lunch every day. I know connecting socially seven hours a day favors my happiness. I take a nap and um, I go out every night. I have a dinner. I'm going to go out and meet a a friend for dinner. And, um, you know, this isn't part of the blue zone, but I used to read every night before I went to bed. But when you get to be a certain age, I I like a little bit of intellectual repose because all day long, my brain is is very engaged. So I'll, I'll watch a Netflix some sort of a TV show at the very end. Technically not supposed to have screens in your bedroom, but you know, for me, it puts me to sleep actually. And that's my day. One other thing I do every day, I do one hour of physical activity. So every day I either bike, inline skate, do an hour of yoga, play pickleball. I'm a pickleball fanatic. Uh, but here's the secret to physical activity or exercise. Do something you like every day. So not a chore type workout, because then you look forward to it and you actually do it and do it with friends. I do that every day. Something I can't wait to do. Yesterday, I did a 50 kilometer bike ride through these beautiful rolling hills of Wisconsin near my house. I would say the most iconic blue zone centenarian was a fellow by the name of Stamitis Moriaitis. He grew up on the island of Ikaria, came to America to seek his fortune, got here a hard worker, painted houses, met with success, married a Greek-American woman, bought his house in the suburbs eventually, bought a Chevrolet. But at 66, he found himself short of breath. He went to three doctors, all of whom gave him the same terminal diagnosis of lung cancer, told him to get his affairs in order. But instead of dying in America where funerals are expensive, he figures, I know, I'll move back to Korea. Funerals are one-tenth the price, more money left over for my wife, and uh, I'll get to be buried on the Aegean Sea with my ancestors. So he and his wife fly back to Ikaria, move in with his parents, who are like 85 and fine, and uh, he goes there to die. And he starts breathing the air, eating black-eyed peas and fennel, Ikarian food, drinking the wine, drinking the water, reconnects with his religion. Friends come over every day, play dominoes with him. Six months come and go, and he's still feeling okay. And he goes out back, and he plants a vineyard. And he thinks to himself, you know, I'm not going to be around to harvest these grapes, but my wife will. And when she picks these grapes, she'll think of me. Well, to make a long story medium, (laughs) 34 years later when I met him at age 101, he was still not only alive, he was harvesting 200 liters of wine every year, all of which he drank. (laughs) When I asked him, you know, what was your secret? And he just kind of shrugged and said, I don't know, I guess I just forgot to die. And, you know, I said, did you ever figure out how you got rid of, you know, lung cancer? I mean, it's so rare. And he said, yeah, yeah, I give that a lot of thought. He said, he said, I went back to America about 15 years ago to get some tests. And I said, yeah, what'd you discover? He said, nothing. He said, I got back to the United States and all my doctors were dead. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Dan Butner with lessons from the Blue Zones. 
the take-home message for me is that we simply cannot hack our way. We cannot hack our way to living a long, healthy life. True health and wellness is unlocked through a holistic lifestyle approach. It's not just diet or just sleep or just social connection, etc. that matters. While each of these are certainly important, we can't just get one right while ignoring the others and expect longevity at the same time. True health and wellness is a beautiful interplay of all of these things. And if I was to add to that, perhaps most importantly, it's a lifestyle. And that means these things need to go from conscious behaviors to unconscious. Just as you or I, when we get into a car, we automatically put on our seatbelt with little thought, or most of us anyway. Just as we do that, people in the blue zones are living a healthy lifestyle with little thought. Through their culture and repetition, their actions are daily habits. And when we do things habitually, they happen automatically, and thus they occur almost effortlessly. And here's the thing, every time we leap for the quick fix, a juice cleanse or magic pill, etc., we lose valuable time, we trade valuable time that would be better spent slowly introducing new behaviors that ultimately become these life-lasting habits. The blue zones are evidence that despite the appeal of quick fixes and silver bullets, they are simply a distraction from what really matters. Just a few of my many thoughts for what it's worth there. Now, before we finish, quick reminder, I have a complimentary, yes, complimentary, two-week meal plan now available at plantproof.com. This thing is loaded with breakfast, snack, lunch, and dinner recipes. They're all professionally shot and complete with the nutritionals too. So perhaps this is the inspiration you need to start building some of those healthy habits we were just talking about. This week in particular, I've been getting incredible feedback about the broccoli tots, which also seem to be a bit of a crowd favorite along with the pancakes. So if you're looking to up your game in the kitchen, please do get involved by simply heading to plantproof.com to grab your copy of the two-week complimentary meal plan. And also something else that I just thought of while you're there, for everyone who has bought a copy of my new book, The Proof is in the Plants. Firstly, thank you. Uh, And secondly, remember that with your purchase, you get access to four very detailed e-guides, a blood test guide, a supplement guide, a tracking your progress guide, and the Plant Proof Food and Oil Pyramids Guide. Just go to plantproof.com and follow the prompts to upload your book receipt and you'll be emailed all four guides. Okay, we did it. That's all for this episode. Another Wednesday Wisdoms in the bag. I'm feeling wiser already. Hope you are too. Thanks for hanging out with me again. I'll catch you in a few days or so. Until then, remember, just like the folks in the Blue Zones, more plants, my friends, more plants. More plants.